We've got to tell you guys about our friends over at Mile High Green Cross. These guys offer an experience that you won't forget. Mile High Green Cross has award-winning products, so check out this year's Cannabis Cup winning products when you head to their website. Mile High Green Cross offers a variety of CBD products, from edibles to concentrates to cartridges, and they pride themselves on their customer service, and it shows. Every single time that you pop in, you will receive one-on-one attention with one of their seasoned sales associates, not to mention they have everyday low prices on in-house products such as $99 pre-pack ounces and V3 hash oil. Bulk deals, five cartridges for $100. Mile High Green Cross offers out-the-door pricing. What they advertise is what you pay. No cash, no problem. Mile High Green Cross now accepts Hyper. What's even better is the amount of time that you spend in the dispensary. On average, the time you walk in from the time you walk out is only nine minutes. I know that's super important for me and my hectic and crazy life. There are informative and speedy. So head downtown today and check out the Mile High Green Cross. They are conveniently located on 9th and Broadway, and they also offer parking in the back. And of course, tell them who sent you. What's up, guys? Welcome into the DMVR Nuggets podcast. Harrison Wind here, along with Brendan Vote on the other line. Tuesday edition of the show, we are presented today, as always, by Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. Make sure to check out Davidson's for you know, all your liquor, alcohol, beer needs this week and this weekend. Brendan, how's it going? I'm doing all right, Harrison. I'm enjoying our 48 off hours so to speak here as we wait for that magic game i'm working my way through the marvel series right now uh i just watched ant-man and i have to say it is a very strange like if you were trying to take over the world the idea that you should just shrink people and create a tiny army not exactly intuitive but huh yeah ant-man definitely uh missed that one yeah, you could have missed it. You could have missed it. It's really a rough way to start the show with a little Ant-Man synopsis. But. Yeah, I hope we didn't lose too many viewers. Anyways, uh, yeah, like you said, Nuggets off uh, on Monday. They practice Tuesday, and then they've got a game Wednesday. they got uh, Markel Fultz and the Magic in town uh, Markel on Wednesday. Fultz. Is, so. is he leading the Magic now? Is that how we sell an Orlando Magic game? Well, he's probably the biggest name on the Magic, so I, I just went with him. He, he's playing well. That's been a so much was made of how much he struggled last year. Not enough made of how well he's played so far. I'm waiting for the. I'm gonna say Chris Haynes gets it. The, yeah. the Markel Fultz tell all for sure. That's what I'm waiting for. Me too. That should be a good one. Anyways, on today's show, I thought it'd be cool if we kind of continued the theme of our. You know, decade-centered podcasts, and of course, we did uh, the all-decade top fifty countdown on the DNVR.com earlier this month, counting down the top fifty most important athletes in Denver of this last decade. Uh, we've done a lot of stuff off to the side, you know, best moments, best draft picks across all sports, uh, across the Rockies, the Nuggets, the Broncos, and the Avalanche. But I thought today on this DNVR Nuggets podcast, it would be cool to go back and look at the best and worst Nuggets draft picks of this decade. So going all the way back to 2009 
and uh, through this past draft. Although it's a little tough to talk about these guys who were just drafted over the last couple of years because we don't know, you know what they're going to look like. So uh, I'm sure glad, uh, Well, I'm just glad you had this idea, Harrison, because I had no idea what else we were going to talk about <laughs> on this podcast. You know, when you don't have any ideas about what what's a podcast, just fall back on the all-decade theme. I've got a lot more where that came from. <laughs> Smart. <laughs> so I picked out seven uh, of what I'll call really good draft picks or guys who could, you know, make this list of, of best draft picks of this decade. And seventh overall, seventh overall for me, and you've got to go back to 2012 for this one, it's Evan Fournier who Denver selected 20th overall in 2012. And, I mean, he was only in Denver for two years and, and did not do a ton in Denver. Uh, but his career really took off when he went to Orlando in uh, 2015. You know, he's been a really solid starter. He's averaging 20 a game this year. And to get a guy like that, that, you know, has been a really good shooter throughout most of his career, just a natural scorer, at 20th overall – I think that's a pretty good draft pick. For sure. This is a guy who, honestly, might help the Nuggets now a little bit. I mean, I don't know if they yeah. have the minutes for him, but they could certainly add a guy who's shooting close to 38% on his career, 483 games played. That was a really good value pick at, at 120. Uh, obviously, not much to say about Fournier's career in Denver, as you pointed out, but that is, I mean... W- you're just outside of the lottery there. You're lucky if you can land a rotation player. And, you know, he's he's a quality rotation player, I think. Yeah, so this 2012 draft, just looking back on it, the prize of the draft outside of, like, obviously number one was Anthony Davis, number three was Brad Beal, six Lillard, nine Drummond. So there was some nice talent in the top ten. There are also a lot of misses, though, Uh Deion Waiters, Thomas Robinson, mm. uh, so on and so forth. The The pride of this draft, the big prize, was obviously Draymond Green at 35 overall. But another reason that I've got Fournier on this list is you look at the guys taken after Fournier other than Draymond Green, and like Fournier was 20th, Jared Solinger was 21st, Fab Mello 22nd, John Jenkins, 23rd, Jared Cunningham, 24th, Tony Rohn, 25th, guys who are not even in the league anymore. Uh, so I think that's a nice pick, Fournier at 20, especially considering the amount of talent that proved to be in this one. Yeah, I think if you were redrafting that, he might be somewhere in the the 7 to 10 range maybe. So yeah, yeah that's a good pick. I'm with you. Uh, should I crawl my way up best? Or are we trying to do this like year by year what's your strategy here um give me who you've got there uh you've got top six so give me who you got there i guess your your sixth best draft pick of the decade uh how about wancho Hernan gomez uh he late lotto pick and obviously he may not be who they were looking for on the floor but he has been honestly a big part of this nuggets team in terms of like their identity the guys that fans gravitate towards, um, a kind of guy that has been integral to some some of the more important moments of the decade and fun moments of the decade. So I think in a vacuum uh, with the 15th pick, is Wancho a great pick? No. But but just who he is to Denver and this fan base, uh, I just wanted to shout that one out. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, I did not have Wancho on my list um, because... 
like I, I agree with everything you said there, and yeah, he's been really good for Denver in some areas, but you know, maybe he hasn't quite lived up to to the expectations. Maybe that's not his fault because maybe with more consistent playing time, he would have gotten those. But picking fifteenth overall, I don't know. I, I feel like that should be a guy if you hit on him that you know is a rock solid part of your core going forward. And Wancho could be gone this year. That's um, true. But I, I do agree with everything you said there from like a culture standpoint and whatnot. That's far more of like a honorable mention shout out one than anything else, if I'm being honest. Yeah. But I you know, yeah. I don't know. So my sixth best uh draft pick of this decade for the Nuggets, Ken Fareed. Yeah, that's twenty second overall in twenty eleven. And I mean for Fareed this guy was an absolute stalwart at the power forward position for Denver for like seven years. And to get that guy in the 20s is a great job. And I just remember watching Ken Freed in college at Moorhead State. I think they beat Louisville in the tournament that year, like a 13 yeah. over four upset, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, he was like an unbelievable rebounder in college. Obviously fell because he was like an upperclassman. I think he was a senior when he came out and did not have the most desirable measurables. You know, 6'7", six, 6'8", six, no real offensive game, which he never really developed. But you know, the rebounding, the energy, that certainly translated. And I just think to get as many pretty quality years out of Fareed, getting him in the 20s that Denver did, uh, that's why he's on this list for me. Yeah, he's. I have a question for you since you are obviously far more of the Denver guy than I. Was Fareed the face, for lack of a, a better one, or by default of the post Mellow Nuggets? The transition, you know, he now was. And Jokic? You know, he was definitely the fan favorite. Hmm. I'd say um, the face is tough because you know people forget that. You know, Ty Lawson was such a big part of those teams, and right. Ty Lawson was also a big fan favorite as well. And Gallinari was there too. I, I you could probably say he was the face, just because he was like the most popular Nuggets player. Definitely had like the highest Q score out of any Nuggets player on those teams. You know, um, but yeah, the face. Uh, I, yeah, I think you could say the face. It's I you know fans love him, and I remember my first year here covering the team it was his last and there was a lot of where's Fareed where's Fareed and if you were around the team you knew there were there were a lot of good reasons that he wasn't playing uh, but fans still to the very end wanted to see him out there on the court and I think a lot of Nuggets fans were rooting for him when he signed with Houston um, so yeah I just thought that was interesting that the love for Kenneth Fareed was uh was pretty big something else that helped with that is just his style of play like that is a style of play that absolutely, absolutely resonates with every single casual fan out there so that that certainly helped him along in that category too yeah he was a high energy guy high flying guy and probably the most fun athlete uh i think it, you know to come through the denver nuggets organization this decade in ter- yeah. from that style of play i guess yeah all right why don't you go uh, with your next one how about ty lawson how about trading for him? Um, and it was it what when two thousand and nine was it the Timberwolves who selected him? I think. Um, yes, the Timberwolves selected Lawson in uh, two thousand nine, eighteenth overall, and the Nuggets traded for him that night. 
Yeah, and as you alluded to earlier, he's kind of in the running as well for for maybe the best player or, or face of or fan favorite of the franchise uh, in those post-mellow years. A better guy, we talked about this when the three of us you know, revisited the decade uh, about a week ago on a pod, but Lawson had a, a much better career than I think the casual fan would remember here in Denver and is near the top of the list of guys who would be fun to see playing today at the peak of his powers. Oh, for sure. And going back and looking at this 2009 draft is fascinating because Lawson was the, if you're including Tyreek Evans as a point guard, Lawson was the fifth point guard, sorry, the sixth point guard off the board in this draft at pick number 18. Tyreek Evans at four, who was a point guard for his first few years in the league. Ricky Rubio at five. Johnny Flynn at six. Wow who might have a case for, you know, a top five worst draft pick throughout the entire league of this past decade. <laughs> Just because Minnesota picks Rubio and Flynn back to back and they don't take Steph Curry, who right. goes a pick later to Golden State. Wow, that's brutal. And then um, Drew Holiday goes 17 to Philly and then Lawson goes 18. Jeff T goes 19. So, so many point guards in this draft. And, you know, this was an absolutely, like, loaded draft at that position um but oh 18th overall you're still not quite sure what you're going to get a little i mean you definitely hope that guy's a solid rotation player for you for a lot of years but lawson was a super stable point guard for denver and probably gets my vote as the best player on those post mellow teams where farid is probably like the face of those teams yeah that's well said uh, he started 307 games for them. So you're right. To find a guy that deep in the draft that goes on to become such an integral part of what you're doing, uh, that's a steal. And he's also, mm-hmm. not to beat a dead horse, but he's a guy who'd be fun to see how he would fit with Jokic right now. You know, his speed, you'd like to think that that they could have generated some fun two-man game together. Definitely. So I'll go next here because I had Lawson as my number five. My fourth best draft pick is going to be Jamal Murray, seventh overall in 2017. And, you know, I don't want to say, like, I'm docking Denver, you know, because, like, they made the right pick, obviously. But I think picking Jamal Murray seventh in that draft was a fairly easy pick to make in uh, the 2016 draft. You know, you're sitting there at seventh overall. Chris Dunn goes five to Minnesota, which is was a terrible pick. Then New Orleans is there at six, and they're kind of debating between Heald and Murray. And when they take Heald, I mean, Jamal Murray, I remember covering that draft. It was the obvious selection. I think Denver, you know, from what I remember, had it much higher on their board. And uh, so it, it was an easy pick. It was the right pick. And, um, yeah, I mean, obviously the Nuggets get their franchise point guard a guy they commit a max contract to, and you know, a guy who has all star and what I think is an all NBA ceiling um, at seventh overall. So, uh, just a great pick, obviously. Yeah, and then you look at these next picks that followed Murray. Marquise Chris went to Sacramento, Jakob Portal at, at nine, Don McCurr, Demonte Sabonis. So, Sabonis probably is the next player you get to where you go, maybe he was worth taking. So, that was a no brainer. And you know, we'll see We'll see what happens with Jamal Murray. He is in that threshold, man, of, I think, good enough that you absolutely have to pay him, as they did, 
um, offering that extension. Because if you're Denver, you don't get players of that quality, whether that's through the draft or free agency. But now he has to live up to a really, really, really high bar. So he's an interesting... He's really tough to evaluate, and the Nuggets are in an interesting spot with him, but he was a no-brainer at seven. Yeah, and also this draft had one of the all-times... one of the all-time worst draft picks the moment it was made. And that, of course, was Georgius Papayanis, 13 to... uh, I think Sacramento ended up, Sacramento ended up taking him there, but one of the all timers oh, of yeah. just the second that pick comes across, you knew it was going to be an enormous bust. Thirty nine <laughs> games, thirty nine games he played, not great, not great. All right, who do you have up next there? Uh, how about Monte Morris? Uh, in two thousand seventeen, and they got him in the second round, uh, the fifty first pick. Is that right? No, that can't be right. Yeah, 51st overall. 51st. So this was the first draft in which I had to do any sort of uh, pre-draft content. I was writing for the fan-sided network, and I Mm -hmm. nailed this. I had the Nuggets taking Monty Morris at 51. I thought they needed a stable backup point guard, a guy who who fills some of the roles that Jamal Murray uh, doesn't as an electrifying scoring guard. And that's, I mean, yeah, obviously that's exactly how it played out. So I felt good about that one. Yeah, no doubt. Agree with everything you said there. I mean, when you're picking in the 50s, I think if you're picking in the 40s even, if you get that guy to be a back-end rotation player, I mean, that's just a massive win. But to get that guy to be somebody who is one of the better backup point guards in the league, uh, that's an enormous hit in the second round. And um, it, it was a great pick from Denver. And you know, looking back, I'm a little confused why Morris fell all the way yeah. to 51. A, a guy who had, I, I think he led the NCAA in assist to turnover ratio all four years he was in college. All time, just actually. Like, yeah, 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 all all time. And um, you know, what was just a nice all-around player at Iowa State. Pretty much the guy he is now, he was at Iowa State. Uh, besides a little worse of a three-point shot. So uh, a yeah. little miffed at why he fell so far. Yeah, and then he led the Cyclones to the tournament. He's a good player. I think sometimes there's this strange dynamic of the back half of the first round, teams will take swings, right, at some of the remaining kind of high upside guys. And then, like, four-year players like Monte will just fall when, I don't know, maybe it's because they're older and the ceiling is theoretically lower, but Morris is a great example of someone who you can trust to fill in the back end of a rotation. And sometimes there's far more value in finding those guys in the draft than um, trying to find a superstar outside of the top five. Yeah, good thing Denver got Morris 51st overall because uh, we'll be coming back to this 2017 draft uh, in our worst draft picks of uh, the decade soon. All right, so moving on here. My second best draft pick of the decade, you know, I I grouped these two together just because they kind of acquired them in one trade. But for Denver to select, you know, Doug McDermott, 11th overall, and then trade him for Yusef Nurkic, who Chicago drafted 16th overall, and Gary Harris, who Chicago drafted 19th overall. And to get those two guys for Doug McDermott, uh, was a massive draft haul by the Nuggets and Tim Connolly. And just looking back, a trade that 
really just shaped the Nuggets franchise to this day because obviously, you know, when Nurkic was here, he was a budding center and then Denver had to move off of him and getting Mason Plumlee back and that kind of shaped the Nuggets in a way because it allowed Jokic to develop into the player he is today. And then Gary Harris with how he's just been such a stable presence outside of the injuries here and there at shooting guard over the last five years um, or last four years, the Michael Mullen era. It was a monumental draft for Denver for sure. And overshadowed a little bit in terms of Tim Connolly moves by the two draft night trades that did not go his way. But it's probably not brought off brought up enough in terms of feathers under his cap. And I think it would be remembered a little differently if obviously Nurkic's career in Denver went slightly differently and or how they traded him and the return they got um, was a little more favorable. Because you're right, to turn McDermott, like just in a vacuum, to turn McDermott into those two players... Uh, Nurkic, who I think is is Portland's second best player when healthy, and Harris, who's obviously a big part of what the Nuggets are doing, uh, that's a huge, huge win for the Nuggets and for Tim Connolly. This was obviously before I was around the team, but the fan reaction uh, following along with this draft on, on Twitter, what was pretty remarkable because Doug McDermott was such a big name for sure when De- when Denver initially drafted Doug McDermott, everybody was saying. Wow, the Nuggets got Doug McDermott. Awesome. Like he was a very popular player in college, huge scorer. I think led the nation in scoring yep. his senior year at Creighton. And then when they dealt him, when that trade came across the wire, everybody was like, No, not Doug McDermott. The native <laughs> son of Denver. I know, it's hilarious. <laughs> it was just it's, pretty funny looking back on it. I was still in my uh, heavy casual NBA fan status in twenty fourteen, coming out of it, I should say. And I felt the same way going into that draft. I couldn't wait to see where McDermott landed. I was curious to see if it would translate. Uh, obviously, it really hasn't. <laughs> He's a career 7.9 points per game scorer. So, yeah, that trade worked out for Denver. Everyone's an expert, man, on draft night. And mm-hmm. everyone's ex- an expert except for the guys who have to make these picks and are held accountable um, years years later even with the benefit of hindsight. So, yeah, it's just another reminder that none of us know what we're talking about. This 2014 draft, looking back at it, was so fascinating. There were some misses at the top, obviously. Uh, Wiggins, Parker, Embiid was three, obviously. Exum at five, a miss there. Stauskas at eight, Vonley at nine. But then if you go further into the first round, like obviously Gary Harris at 19, Rodney Hood at 23, Clint Capella at 25, Bogdan Bogdanovich at 27, Kyle Anderson at 30, Joe Harris at 33, Spencer Dinwiddie at 38, Jeremy wow. Grant at 39. Wow. And then uh, we'll get to the 41st pick, I'm sure, here momentarily. Um, but this was a, a pretty deep draft 2014. It was a very deep draft. And, um, well, perhaps the very best player in the entire draft, Harrison, fell all the way to, as you just mentioned, second round, 41st overall pick. It's the best draft pick this decade might finish as the best draft pick in Denver Nuggets history, Nikola Jokic of uh, Serbian descent. What one? It, big it would honey. certainly be yeah. <laughs> it would certainly be tough uh, for the Nuggets to top this draft pick. Like they would have to get somebody at fifty overall who develops into a, a top, future Hall of Fame talent. A top eight player. <laughs> it's really insane, man. It really is. It's 
you know, you know the list with the, the famous late grabs, Draymond and, and the Manus. Jokic is at maybe the top of that list, man. 41st mm-hmm. overall, and, and Tim himself, he's told us, he'd tell anyone listening, uh, he was lucky to make that pick. But they, something inside of he and Arturis said, hey, it's worth the shot, it's worth the flyer, and, and they deserve credit for that. Yeah, if they were more confident in Jokic, they probably would have taken him at either 19 or 16. They had two chances to take him. <laughs> no one knew. You know? No one had any <laughs> no. idea. I think you, but, but you, we were talking sorry, about the, go, go ahead. Sorry, man. We were talking about the biggest what-ifs last week of the decade. And, and was it you, I think, who said, what if he had simply played better in his showcase game with the, with the scouts in attendance and maybe he goes higher in that draft? Yeah, certainly, certainly. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously a great pick. You said it a couple minutes ago, but the Nuggets front office, they saw something in him, and they saw enough in him to take him where they did, where you know a lot of teams didn't. So uh, they would obviously deserve a lot of credit there. They had done their homework on him, and um, yeah, the Nuggets franchise has never been the same after that. If you have the first overall pick right now, Joel Embiid, Nikola Jokic. You don't know anything oh, else ta- about your team. Yeah, I'm taking Jokic, and it's not even close. Yeah. Um, the injury potential with Embiid is what gives it to Jokic, in my opinion. For sure, for sure. Also, plus that um, I have a biased take that Embiid is really just pretty overrated offensively. I mean, he's incredible. He is a mm-hmm. top eight player, but I... Yeah, I, I think you're right. If the injury thing sets it apart, it's Jokic. All right, so that's what we've got for best draft picks of the decade. Uh, going back to uh, seven for me, I've got Fournier, 20th overall in 2012, Fareed, 22nd overall in 2011, Lawson, 18th overall in 2009, Murray, 7th overall in 2017, Morris, 51st overall in 2017, and then Nurkic and Harris in... 2014 and then Jokic 41st overall in 2014 of course and I think our lists are the same except for the uh, Wancho inclusion on your part yeah but that was honestly that's not even a real inclusion that's just a a tip of the hat to old Wancho I'll shoehorn that in wherever I can yeah he's Wancho man gotta gotta get him in there when you can uh should we do Uh, the not yeah, let's uh let's do the not top ten or, or the worst draft picks of the decade, which I only have a couple for. Uh, first, though, talking about the Hot Peak IPA on today's show from Breck Brewing. I mean, for all you IPA lovers out there, this should be atop your list. Uh, it's just like your classic IPA, and I'm not even a big IPA guy, but I love the Hot Peak IPA. You know, if I'm out of the bar, or just, you know, hanging out with some friends, great beer for any occasion. And just another uh, on the roster of amazing beers coming out of Breck Brewery these days. Uh, they're a great partner of us here at the DNVR. And uh, yeah, if you see a Breck Brew in your local liquor store, maybe that's Davidson's, uh, the presenting sponsor of this show. Uh, check it out. And uh, if you haven't tried the Hot Peak IPA, check that out as well. And before we go any further, and before we get to those worst draft picks of the decade, you guys know how supporting local business is in our blood, so we're super excited to tell you about Denver Rubber Company. may not be what you think it is because Denver Rubber Company is the most reliable local partner for your long-term projects. Since 1972, 
Denver Rubber Company has provided the highest quality of products from custom die-cut gaskets, molded rubber, to custom contract manufacturing, and custom hoses. And with winter here, it's been snowing a lot, Denver Rubber Company Hit them up for anything that has to do with snow plows. They can cut the size and pre-slot most snow plow rubber. The blades can be cut to any length and slotted for mounting to meet your exact specifications. We actually went and checked out their warehouse a few weeks back. It was awesome. These guys have created proprietary materials that make up the inside of wind turbine blades. And we even witnessed machines that cut materials that are used in bulletproof vests. Remember, Denver Rubber Company makes it all custom and you can purchase products for yourself and of course buy bulk at a fantastic rate they're also family owned with loyalty only to the people just like us here at dnvr be sure to call them today for any snowplow needs custom gaskets hoses etc 1-800-259-0010 or visit them at drcfirst.com backslash dnvr of course tell them who sent you All right, back here on the DNVR Nuggets podcast presented by Davidson's, Harrison Wind, and Brendan Vote. Let's get on to the worst draft picks of the decade. And I think the best sign or, or the most notable sign that Tim Connolly and this Nuggets front office and even the front office before them has done a pretty good job is that there's not a lot on this list. No, the misses are pretty loud, but they're few and far between. I agree with you. Um, I'll start because I think we both have the same guy here. Uh, we're working our way up towards the worst pick. So least bad, Emmanuel Moutier, uh, who I think was the understandable pick at the time. Um, and, and I don't think anyone blamed Denver for taking him. It just obviously didn't work out. And the reason there's maybe a particularly sour taste in some Nuggets fans' mouths when it comes to Moutier is just how long it took for Denver to figure that out and move on from him. So it's almost like... It's not really a mistake or a blemish on Connolly's record, in my opinion. I think it's more of just an example of how the draft cookie crumbles sometimes. Yeah, I'd have to agree. Uh, because heading into this draft, the uh, the 2015 draft, Moutier, you know, behind D'Angelo Russell, he was the clear-cut second-best point guard prospect. I mean, really, I think some people had him ranked above Russell even as just like a pure point guard. Yeah. And uh he had all the measurables, you know, six foot five, you know, two hundred ten, two hundred twenty pounds coming out of high school. Uh, he of course played in China for that year. Uh he, he looked like an NBA point guard. He was strong, he was powerful, um just had an NBA body. And he seemed like a guy that was honestly, man, a relatively safe pick. Yeah. That was kind of the rap on Moutier that, you know, at, at the very worst, he would be a starting caliber point guard. Um, good vision. You know, his vision was something people talked about. And just his body was very mature for his age. But, you know, obviously just didn't develop. His jump shot never really developed, although he is having a pretty nice year off the bench for Utah this season in, you know, sparse minutes, of course. You know, never really just became the point guard that Denver needed him to be, and uh, eventually they moved off of him. But heading into this draft, he was you know looked at as very deserving of like not only a top seven pick, maybe even a top five pick. Yeah, I just remember you're right, the body, the physicality, and and I had talked myself into the China thing 
that he had already been playing in a pro league, albeit if it was in China, that just maybe he was ready physically uh, to get pushed around in the NBA. Such a strong guy. Did have a quick first step, could turn corners in my opinion, even if he wasn't the fastest guy. But he never really seemed to be able to think the game through. It never seemed to slow down for him as a point guard. And it's just one of those things that you can't really know, I think, until you get your hands on a guy and get him in your system. So I don't really blame Connolly at all for that pick. Although, obviously, sitting six picks later at 13th came one Devin Booker. Uh, Connolly wasn't the only one to miss that, but obviously that's a pretty talented player. Would have been a nice addition. Yeah, no, I think the Nuggets were very high on Booker uh, as well. They did have him in for a workout that year, I remember. Also had uh, Justice Winslow in for a workout that mm. year, and that was the worst pre-draft workout I've ever watched. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what, what? He just I'm, couldn't shoot or what? I, I'm not even kidding, man. You know, we don't get to watch a lot of these things, but we at least get to see them shoot. And um, Justin Winslow was airballing jump shots from the foul line that's rough <laughs> like in the section of the workout that's open to the media so can you that was obviously not a good look for oh, him can you imagine how in your head you must be you start airballing at your workout that's brutal <laughs> yeah and, and apparently that was something that happened throughout a lot of the workout as well um don't think his agent was too happy that that got out from just <laughs> the media portion of that but hey he went 10th overall in miami he's had a nice career yeah, it's worked out for justin yeah but yeah moutier it, it's just tough to fault the nuggets too much for missing on that one obviously i think it is a blemish on the resume of this front office but you know it's one that they definitely recovered from well drafting their franchise point guard two years later um, but, you know, one they probably wish they had back now. For sure. All right, so number one on this list, uh, you, you want to open it up here? Uh, yeah, well, I'll I'll start with a story. We, we all went for some post-game drinks uh, Saturday night, the, just a, a certain section of the Nuggets media, and we were with Matt Moore of the Action Network, and we were talking about this particular draft, and you know Matt Harrison puts more work into this than maybe anyone. Watches so much basketball, consumes so much information. He could not remember this player's name. Uh, it's Tyler Lydon. He was drafted with the 23rd overall pick in 2017, I think. Is that right? Um, and the, just the fact that Matt couldn't remember his name is really the, the best thing I can pick to speak to how poor this draft pick was. <laughs> yeah, drafted... Um... 24th overall 24th, in yeah. 2017. Yes, 24th overall. So it was a bad draft pick, and obviously, you know, Leiden has moved on from Denver, and I'm not even sure. Is he still with the Sacramento Kings? No, he got released. He was cut, so. Okay, so he's out of the league right now, um, you know, three years into this thing, which is pretty notable. Um, but... It's also, I think, the worst draft pick of the decade because like, there was just so much else that happened that night that kind of contributed to just a really bad night for the Nuggets. Also, side note, going through this decade, Denver did not draft a lot, and they did almost never drafted in the first round mm. from like 2009 to 2013, you know, in uh, the final mellow years and then... 
uh, into kind of those George Carl-led Ty Lawson, Gallinari, Fareed teams that were always picking at the end of the first round or maybe only in the second round. Like Denver did not draft a lot of guys that over those uh, few years. So there wasn't a lot to choose from here, to be quite honest. That's true. Um, Yeah. But anyway, 2017 draft, the Nuggets obviously start the night off with the 13th overall pick and then proceed to trade that pick for for the 24th overall pick where they select Tyler Lydon and Trey Lyles, um, who obviously had, you know, one good year in Denver, one bad year, and is now in San Antonio. Um, But the fact that, you know, Mitchell was selected 13th overall in Denver, essentially had an opportunity to take him and passed up on that. And then, you know, some things happen in the 20s, and uh, Denver was targeting OG Ananobi, who goes a pick earlier to Toronto, and then the Nuggets have to take Leiden. All of those events together contribute uh, to that, how, how bad that pick was, in my opinion. Yeah, and it's compounded, right, by the fact that it comes years later after the the Nuggets traded Rudy Gobert to the Utah Jazz on a draft night trade. So obviously we now know in hindsight that the Nuggets have, have essentially handed a division rival their young core. Uh, passing on Mitchell, that de- decision in a vacuum, of course, um, is the wrong one, and we know that. But there's a version of this that's not so bad. There's a version of this where they get Trey Lyles and maybe OG, and, and you can follow their logic. But where it becomes disastrous is that when OG goes uh, just a pick or two before they, they select Leiden at 24, it seems to me that they panicked, man. Because I can't imagine that there was any consensus draft board that had Leiden as a first-rounder. And as we know, Arturis and Tim spoke to the media separately that night, so I, consensus was definitely not the operative word for that draft. Yeah, um, I might push back a little on the fact that Leiden wasn't a worthy late first round pick, um, just for the fact that this was a six foot ten guy who was coming out of Syracuse, who had a pretty good three point shot, right, and right. you know was also looked at as a guy who was pretty athletic. And uh, had some decent block numbers at Syracuse. Now, that doesn't exonerate the Nuggets from selecting him, you know, when they did. There were other good players available that Denver could have gotten. Like, Derek White was out there. There there were some other talented guys Denver could have gotten. Um, But I think there were some intangibles about Leiden that... You, know, you could talk yourself into if you were a team. Like, his shot was for real. That's true. Uh, his, his shot was for real. And he got hurt early on, and I think we kind of watched him lose confidence in himself. So maybe there's an alternative sort of timeline in which Leiden um, is a guy that's worth taking. And, and is Because you're right, when you're his size and you can shoot like he can, you're worth a flyer in the NBA. Um, but it just seemed like that – it just seemed like that – that was a rush decision and not a consensus decision. And obviously we know with the benefit of hindsight that it didn't work out. So this is clearly the biggest, I think, stain on, on Tim Connolly's resume to date. Uh, he's done quite well in the draft, but this is obviously the first example you point to of him messing up. So that one, if we're ranking these like worst draft pick, uh, you know, one and two, I think I would actually probably go with Moody as just the worst draft pick 
because like at seventh overall, you've really got to hit on that guy there. And the Moutier pick probably set Denver back more mm. than the Leiden pick did. Yeah. Because uh, like, you know, Denver played Moutier for two and a half years, you know, trying to get him to be that guy. And he just wasn't. That was a lot of wasted opportunity, a lot of wasted time there. So, I mean, if I'm ranking this in terms of just worst draft pick, however you want to take that word and definition, I'll probably say it's Moutier. Yeah, and you know, who knows? Like, I think if Jamal Murray comes anywhere near his ceiling and this team is truly contending for titles, you move on from the Mitchell thing. You just do, and you can trace their logic. So I see what you're saying there. Um, But yeah, this... I think the big takeaway from this exercise, man, and you hit on it earlier, is that uh, there's not a ton of big-time mistakes here, and, and there's a lot of good draft picks in this from this decade. Yeah, so I want to talk about some uh, draft picks that have an asterisk by, the, asterisk by them and uh, that we don't quite know about, like Porter and Bowl. Uh, so uh, we'll get to those in one second. Uh, first, though, I got to tell you guys about Piper Electric, great partner, of ours here at DNVR. Piper Electric has been serving the Denver metro area since 1983 through a commitment to customer service and team performance. Piper Electric is the hometown electrical contractor you can trust. If you call 303-646-6765, they will give you the DNVR hookup and save you 20% off your next service call. No job is too big or too small for Piper Electric. They work with the top professionalism and integrity in the biz, whether it's residential, commercial, or industrial work. Don't forget, you have to call 303-646-6765 to receive 20% off your next service call. So the, the first one I kind of want to get to before we get to Bowl and MPJ, and you touched on it a little, but Gobert in 2013, Denver has the 27th pick. They sell it for cash to Utah, who obviously selects Gobert. What I've heard about that draft is that Tim Connolly had just gotten hired that month and uh he was given pretty direct orders to sell the pick hmm. and so you know may- maybe Connolly could have drafted somebody well there you know in 2013 but i don't think it was you know a decision that may have been up to him uh so denver traded that pick it was right when Connolly took over and like i don't think if you're a nuggets fan you can look back at that and say, like, oh, my God, this was an um, unbelievable mistake by Denver because, you know, may- maybe it was in the sense that the Jazz got Gobert, but, you know, I don't think it's this current front office's fault. Yeah, I you're guess. probably right. And then they went on to draft Jokic, so it all works out. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so <laughs> the two that we don't really know about, which – could be on this list the best draft picks of the decade, you know, if we were talking about this 10 years from now. MPJ at 14th overall in 2018. Obviously, we don't really know what MPJ is going to develop into. Uh, the the flashes, the signs are certainly there. But what do you think about this draft pick two years into the MPJ experience? I think it was – I think – Almost everyone agrees that Denver had to do it, right? We went into that draft night. I did not have Michael Porter Jr. on my radar, man. I don't know about you. I just didn't even see that as a possibility. Um, And the more he fell, I think there's just a sliding scale on the risk profile there. And when you get outside of the top 10, 
you get to 14, you're in, you're at the very end of the lottery here. A guy with his talent, I think it's worth a flyer, um, especially for a team that didn't necessarily need to nail that draft pick. They had a good young core in place, and so it becomes an icing on the cake thing. If they have hit on MPJ in the way uh, that we all hoped, then they have potentially three legitimate young stars. And, and so I think from that standpoint, the Nuggets made the right right choice there. Yeah, definitely. And I remember back on this draft night, I agree because it seemed like there was no way Porter was going to get to go to 14. There was some buzz that he was going two to Sacramento, uh, who ended up taking Bagley, who you can probably slot in along with um, along with Hashim Thabit and some of those other mm. busts at the top as just like worst draft picks of the decade because they passed up on Luka Doncic, who was just clearly going to be a much better player than Bagley. Um, but yeah, it never seemed like there was much of a chance that Porter would get to Denver at 14. The Clippers with two picks at 12 and 13, everybody thought, oh, at the very least, man, they'll have t- take one of those picks on Porter. Right. You know, they have they have two tries here. Um, th- the consensus seems to be that Miles Bridges was going to slip to Denver, but then the Clippers take him at 12. They take Jerome Robinson at 13, who hasn't amounted into much here. And then Denver takes Porter at 14. Uh, you hit on this, but they had the ability to swing for the fences with Porter because they had a really good team coming back. They did not need this guy to contribute right away. Right. And um, they also really like Zaire Smith in this draft, uh, who hasn't really done anything either. Um, but, yeah, looking back on it, this was still the right pick. I thought it was the right pick at the time. Yeah, I think it's still the right pick now. Yeah, I had my eyes on Shea, uh, Shai Gilgis-Alexander, who obviously didn't fall to them. Not sure where he would have fit to this rotation. Just always loved him as a prospect, and he's right now one of my favorite guys to watch. But yeah, MPJ, right decision, I think. So the other one that we could be talking about if we did this list 10 years from now, or even just a couple years from now, Bull Bull. Mm. Drafted last year, 44th overall. Denver trades into the draft. Remember, they started this night without any draft picks. Bull falls to 44. They trade for him uh, and select him. And, you know, watching Bull in the G League this year, and I watched him a little at Oregon, but not a ton. Watching him in the G League this year, I've watched more G League games of him than I watched him at Oregon for sure. But how the hell did this guy fall to 44? Right. Like, I don't don't care what the off-court problems are and the foot injury was a very real thing, but... Like, how did this guy fall to 44th overall? He's too good. He's a player, man. He's a legitimate player. He has to be, just from from a talent standpoint, one of the 10 most talented offensive players in that draft. I'd be blown away if he wasn't. And I love that this is maybe a new developing MO for Connolly in a market where you don't usually sign big free agents. They're probably not going to have any high picks anymore, so... Why not? Why not be the team that's like, oh, you're afraid to take this guy? There are problems. He's been injured. He's a risk. But the upside's high. Well, we'll take him. And if that's the direction Tim's headed in, I love it. And I'm all in on Bull Bull. I don't think we'll see him play this year, but I really hope we do. Yeah, I don't think we'll see him this year either. Well, maybe his ETA to Denver's rotation, or at very least Nuggets roster. Uh, I'd say that's for the 2020-2021 season. Um, but man, is he a talent and I think he's a player too. I said it after watching his first game in the G league, but 
it's just so obvious that there's a place for him in this league. Yeah. And just how unique <laughs> his skill set is, how he moves. He moves way more fluidly than a Chris Asperzingas person. Man, the one where, and, he, uh, where he's in transition and he finishes with a finger roll at the rim. I mean, that's it's a, he's a guard. It's ridiculous. Yeah. His shot, yeah, I'm a believer in his shot. He's got just incredible, incredible touch around the rim. Um, so to get him at 44 overall, I know we said that there's no way the Nuggets could ever have a better draft pick than Jokic this oh, decade. wow. Bull could, you know, I, I don't think he'll be the player Jokic is ever, um, but he could push for, like, number two, I, was, I think, someday on this list. I was going to say, that was a really hot take brewing in the chamber there. <laughs> but I know, I like where you're going. I like where your head's at. All right, well, I think that's uh, all we got. Anything uh, else you want to hit on before we get out of here? Not at all. I want to go to bed. <laughs> all right sounds good let us know what you think guys hit us up in the comment section on the dnvr.com that comment section only opens to subscribers uh, let us know what you think also hit us up on twitter i'm at harrison when brendan is at brendan vote and we'll talk to you guys on wednesday Hey guys, before we get out of here, you may or may not know that taking care of your teeth is pretty important. And our friends over at Green Mountain Dental Group are giving away a free Sonicare toothbrush when you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam. That's right, you simply have to take care of your teeth for Green Mountain Dental Group to hand over a free Sonicare. Check them out today online or call 303-988-0711 to schedule your appointment today.